Hey ladies. So today we're going to hear from Tiffany Griffin and she is going to share her really hard journey into motherhood. And her hope is that she inspires and encourages a mother to not let fear scare her out of trying. Sometimes we face things like multiple miscarriages and it makes it really hard to even think about enduring something like that again. But she wants you to know that there is happiness out there and your baby could really be there for you. So to keep trying. She also wants to encourage you to communicate with your friends and your family and your partner when when all this is going on because they are the ones that are going to be there to support you and help you heal through the process. And I want you to know that aside from your friends and your family and your partner, which are so important in these situations, that there's another place that you can turn to. And that is the Mama Inspired, the collective Facebook group. You guys, I don't think I could have ever truly envisioned what this group would have turned out to be, but I'm so proud. I get comments and people reaching out to me almost every single week, letting me know about how impactful this group has been. And it's a safe place. They're always so impressed by the comments or the questions that they they post on the page and the kind of responses that they're getting because it's understanding and it's gentle and it's compassionate. And you guys, that's what we need in this journey to and through motherhood. So if you're not in the group yet, please check it out. All right, let's hear from Tiffany. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf, <laughs> it's mama time. Hello, my mama-inspired ladies. I am here today talking with Tiffany Griffin, and I'm pretty excited about this because when I started dreaming up this podcast, there were so many people that popped in my head of like, you know, Tiffany, I haven't talked for a really long time or anything and really didn't even talk a whole lot in school, but you know, there were lots of people that it was like, I have all these people in my life, whether they're like acquaintances or whether they're people that I love and are, you know, in my life regularly that have, have this story to tell. And I'm so lucky that I get to kickstart this podcast and especially within the first year and be able to just to like talk to people that I know and have a connection with of some sort. And so Tiffany and I went to the same, well, we're from the same amazing small town of Tipton, Indiana. And you were two classes, just two classes above me, right? I graduated in 05. Yeah. So just two classes above me. And like I said, we really, I mean, you know, obviously knew of each other because it's a small town, but we never really talked a whole lot. And, you know, over time, of course, I picked up on a little bit of your story um, in your journey in motherhood. And that's what Tiffany is going to talk with us about today. Tiffany, I 
I love this about you. You served in the Army National Guard. I just think you're such a, like, I just see you such as like this badass chick. Um, so Army <laughs> National Guard. And you That's served terrible. for eight years, at, eight yeah. years as a mental health specialist, which I mm-hmm. think is really cool, especially because of the story you're about to tell. So there'll be some questions around that. Mm-hmm. You're a mama of two now. And mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about your family and what you're doing now. And then we'll get into your story. Oh, goodness. Um, So I am married to Adam Motes. We got married a few years ago. Quite honestly, it took us a while to get married, probably because of this journey that we were um, experiencing. Ever since then, we have two beautiful children, Obi and Emery. Um, So we are just kind of busy right now. He works a lot at Chrysler. I was working as a full-time social worker at um, our local nursing home um, here in Tipton. However, my grandmother was requiring a little bit more help this year as well. COVID hit, it got really kind of crazy. So um, I focused more on my family and took a step back from work. Uh, So I work part-time hours at at Miller's trying to help out still. And uh, I help my grandma and I stay home with my kids and, and that's really all I do. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I miss the national guard a whole lot. I think about it probably on a daily basis, but my time, the timeline of all of that was just perfect. My contract was over when Obi was like six months old. So it was stay in or get out. And I just couldn't imagine leaving a newborn. I mean, Adam's a great dad and all, but yeah, (laughs) they need their mom. I I mean, babies need their mom. I couldn't leave them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't believe me. So yeah. Well, I want to hear, I think, um, it, when you're ready, let's go ahead and, and sure. s- go ahead and start your story. into My chaotic story, right? <laughs> it was so chaotic that I had to put it on paper just to try to remember. And um, because I, I really learned that I, I kind of disassociated myself, uh, which is just a common coping skill, but um, it causes you to kind of forget things. But I guess at the same time, it, it maybe protected me for the time I needed it to. Yeah. Um, so my story is a little bit written down. Um, so I'm just going to kind of follow my timeline. Um, it all pretty much started in January, uh, 2014, me and Adam, we had dated, um, for about a year previously. Um, and then life happened and it just was bad timing, but we had fallen in love, you know, um, a couple of years previous and then we reconnected right and we had only been together for about three months or so and so it was completely unexpected and extremely terrifying to tell him like three months later that I I was pregnant (laughs) um I just like was beside myself I was like oh my gosh this is not how this is supposed to be happening um and thank god we had you know already formed a relationship and loved one another and uh, we were so excited but um you know i was just going to a routine doctor's appointment i had no idea that i was pregnant i did not have a clue um i had taken years and years of the depo shot uh for birth control um and had about six months to a year previously come off of that. Um, but my progesterone levels were still completely depleted. So the doctor, 
I mean, I knew there were chances of my hormones coming back up to uh, normal levels, but um, I guess I just didn't expect them to so quickly. So we found out we were pregnant, um, got really excited, shared it with our families immediately. Um, and then, you know, they, they take blood work and such, and they would compare, you know, after like what, 48 hours or whatever it was, compare my blood work. And so a couple of days later, they called while I was at work, the doctor's office called to let me know that my levels were not looking like they should, um, and to expect a miscarriage. And like, they ended the call and I'm at work. I, I, I worked at a hospital. So luckily my, you know, I was working with nurses and doctors all around me, but I didn't need, like, what was I supposed to expect? I had no idea. They didn't like tell me what to expect or anything. Like it was just this really fast 30 second phone call to tell me like, we're really sorry. It's not looking the way it should. And, and you should, you know, expect to miscarry, you know, in the next couple of days, if not, you know, very soon. And I'm like, okay, thanks. Goodbye. Um, and I was just like in this state of shock and sure enough, almost immediately after I hung up the phone, um, these things happened, I guess a miscarriage, you know, and I was like, didn't understand what was, I really didn't know what was going on or what to expect or what to do. Um, because I guess they just didn't talk about that. Um, so luckily I just had some friends that had similar experiences or nurses that I worked with that were just very helpful for me, um, at that time. And it was like right then that I was like, so disappointed. Um, I think in my body really that like, hold on a second, like what went wrong? You know, I didn't like, okay, now things aren't working right, you know, and it kind of, um, frustrated me, but it also made me like very determined, like, oh no, I'm gonna make it work. <laughs> it's gonna work. <laughs> so it's, it's funny because we hadn't really even like talked about, building us. I mean, we had, we knew we wanted to build a family, but not this soon. It wasn't, um, that wasn't really what we were expecting to do, but I think I just got so like, gosh, dang determined to have kids at that point. And, um, we got pregnant almost immediately after that. So I think it was like the next month, maybe two months later, I was pregnant again. And, this time things were going so well. Um, it was, you know, we had ultrasounds that went well, everything looked normal. They did have to put me on some progesterone supplements. They, and honestly, they had to do that for all of my pregnancies. But uh, so I felt really comfortable. I felt confident that that was going to be, um, that we were going to get this golden ticket, you know, that we were going to get this baby at the end of it. And unfortunately, I think it was, we were in our second trimester. Um, and Adam and I were going to just a routine appointment and the doctor, you know, just got the Doppler out. It wasn't an ultrasound appointment. It was just a routine, um, check. And, you know, I had grown quite a bit. Um, so I was already showing, and she got the Doppler and I could just tell by the look on her face, she was concerned and it was hard for me. I never could tell, you know, she, every, I thought I was hearing a heartbeat, but she kept saying, that's yours. That's your heartbeat. And I'm like, how do you, <laughs> I can't tell the difference. So, um, I just kept thinking, okay, well, she's just, she's going to find it eventually. 
Um, but she didn't. And she took me immediately to do an ultrasound and found that we had a daughter and she no longer had a heartbeat. Um, so what had happened was due to them being able to measure her growth, she really had stopped growing at 10 weeks, but I was already into my second trimester. I mean, my body was just not recognizing, um, that she was no longer viable. So, um, my body just kept doing what it was like, it thought it was still pregnant really. So that was kind of bizarre. Um, and that made me even more frustrated because I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> my body really is not doing what I want it to. And um, then I feel really kind of shameful for even admitting this, but I felt like get her out of me. Like I, it was such a very odd um, feel, like a disturbing feeling for me. Um, and so she gave me options. I remember her giving me options. And I feel so bad now because I, I made Adam go sit in the waiting room, um, like immediately, as soon as I saw concern on the doctor's face, I told him to leave. And so I feel really guilty for doing that, um, because I know he didn't want to, but he was going to do whatever I told him to do. So, um, but she gave me options and I think I sent him away because I just didn't want anybody to make or sway my decision at all. I didn't want to see a look on his face that would maybe change my mind. I didn't want somebody to um, make me feel a certain way. I just wanted it to be my decision and nobody else's. And so I went back and I talked to my doctor and she said, we can wait. We can wait a little while and see if your body will just kind of take care of this on its own, which scared me. I like that would be unexpected. Would I be at work? Where right. would I be? What like what will I see? What will it look like? I, I just didn't want to experience that. So, um, I chose to go ahead and schedule a, a DNC and, um, you know, I already have mixed feelings, but you know, cause then the night before it's like, was she sure there wasn't a heartbeat? Ugh. You know, it was like me and Adam, I just remember we cried all night long. Um, before the surgery, because they make you take this pill, which I don't remember what, it, you know, to make my uterus contract or yeah. soften or whatever it is, my cervix or whatnot. So, um, I like did not want to take it. I just felt like I was doing something I shouldn't be doing and maybe I should wait for my body. So I just had these horribly mixed emotions and was I doing the right thing? But, um, in the end we, we had the DNC and I chose to have, um, her name was Eleanor. I chose to have her um, sent to the Mayo Clinic for testing because at this point I wanted to find out what's going wrong. Um, and what is what I didn't tell anyone but my husband and my mother during that time that I was pregnant was I was having vivid dreams of our child having down syndrome, like very vivid, like to the point where I would wake up and ask Adam, like, Hey, you won't be upset, you know, oh, if yeah. there's something wrong. And he would always reassure me, but it was like, I would go to work when I worked at the hospital. Um, I would go to work and the elevator doors would open and there'd be somebody with down syndrome. And, and, or one day I had two people, um, as a patient with down syndrome, like that was just unheard of. Like it just, we, I didn't see that, that yeah. frequently. So it was just, um, I just was having these 
I guess like premonitions or something. It was very, very weird. And I, Adam just had to keep telling me everything's fine. Tiffany, the doctor said, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But then when everything didn't end up being fine, I, I don't know if that made me angry at everybody that kept trying to reassure me when I'm like, I told you, (laughs) I told you, I told you. Yeah. Um, I just felt like people didn't want me to be upset or nervous. And so the first thing they do is try to reassure you. Right. But sometimes you just, you just know, like, you just feel it. And, um, so I was kind of, um, frustrated that I didn't like trust my instincts. Maybe I could have like mentally prepared myself or something, but what was interesting was when um, Eleanor's test results and things came back from the Mayo Clinic, the doctor called and um, told me that, um, you know, our daughter, the reason for that specific miscarriage was that our daughter, our daughter had um, Down syndrome. And I just was shocked. I thought, how, in the, I knew that, I knew that. I just, I knew in my heart of hearts that that was that was going to happen. Um, which was even more terrifying because I think at that time, me and Adam were like 27 years old. We were young, we had no family history and I don't want it to sound like we wouldn't loved her with all of our hearts and probably more some, you know what I yeah. mean? We would have, Oh my gosh, we would have made life as perfect as we could have for her. She would. It, it, so I feel bad. Um, because I, uh, I don't know. I, I, that was just such a shock to me that that was what caused our miscarriage because that was, even though I was having all of those vivid thoughts, I really wanted to believe everybody else that I was just like really crazy and just really nervous and anxious and stuff. But, um, that made me so scared to get pregnant again. And I feel so bad to say that, but I don't know if I could have handled all those challenges. I sure as heck would have tried my very best, but um, for that to have been my first child um, and to have had all of those challenges, which my doctor went on to explain that um, it it was uh, a lot of times miscarriages and due to Down syndrome um, that most Down syndrome uh, people that you know that have that diagnosis, um, it's typically mild because most cases end in pregnancy is what my doctor had explained to me. And um, so she had told me, you know, that obviously Eleanor would have had a more severe case um, and it would have come with significant challenges. Um, and so I then had to learn to just realize that, um, it was just kind of fate. It was, that's how it was meant to be. Um, and she was in a better place and wouldn't have to experience those challenges that she would have had to face here on earth. So that kind of brought me a little bit more ease. Like I was scared to get pregnant because I didn't know if, that was going to be like a common thing for us. Like, are we going to have these types of challenges? But the doctor, because I had so much anxiety about that, um, sent us to a genetic counselor and um, they evaluated our risks and said we had none that um, it was a fluke Right is the word they just kept saying over and over and over that they just kept educating me that 
for you to have a perfect, normal pregnancy, everything has to align perfectly. And there's just a million things that can go wrong during that process. And there's really no explanation. You know, it's just doesn't always work. Yeah. And it's like, pick your poison. Like it's so hard going through miscarriages and not knowing why and constantly thinking like, is it my body? Is it Mm -hmm. like, is it me? Is it my husband? Like what is happening right now that it's not working? And it's another to then have this potential explanation in this fear in the back of your mind. I feel like in the end, the only thing that gave me solace was that very fact that yes, everything Mm -hmm. has to happen so perfectly. And our body works really hard at when they recognize that there's chromosomal imbalances or there's something off, you know? Yeah. Because, because life is hard and nature is hard and all these things. And so but it's, it's such a crazy like notion when you grow up, I think we talked about this last time when you grow up, you know, your teachers and your parents are like, you have sex once and you're going to have a baby. So it just seems like, <laughs> right. and people just pop out kids all the time. So you, this seems right. like such an easy thing to do and to happen. And so when mm-hmm. it doesn't work out, it's just, yeah, there's so many emotions. And I feel like you explaining all the emotions that you were having when finding all that out or like having those thoughts it all mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Like we're all human. Mm-hmm. It would be really scary. It would be really, really scary. Yeah. It gave me so, you know, I was sad and I was scared and I was frustrated with myself and I felt all kinds of different emote, like so many emotions at once yeah. that it was just really kind of overwhelming. I feel like, um, but after, I mean, we, we really felt rest assured after we saw that genetic counselor, we really knew at that point, cause we were nervous. Adam does have a blood clotting disorder. Um, and so I know in the back of his mind, he was kind of blaming himself and we weren't sure we were trying to blame something. We yeah. wanted something yeah. to blame, not each other, obviously, but something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, you want to find a find reason. It. <laughs> and we, we just one. didn't have it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, obviously they, they reassured us that our chances of, um, you know, having any more like genetic, um, issues would be very slim, um, just because our risks were so low. So they just kept saying, you know, they didn't have a rhyme or reason for it. It just happens. And I had to just accept it. You know, I just took a long time, but I'm there. I accept it does just happen. I mean, it it just does. Um, I don't know why it happens to those of like some of us and it doesn't happen to others. I wish it didn't happen to any of us, but it just does. And, um, you know, I think what was, <laughs> what was something that we were completely not expecting um, was we had like gone on vacation shortly after just to give ourselves like a mental break from yeah. all of the stuff we'd been dealing with. And we went on vacation. Um, we came home. I went, you know, back to work. I was feeling good. We wanted to start. We wanted to try again. We wanted to start trying to get pregnant. Um, but like my belly, after I had that DNC, after being pregnant with Eleanor, my belly, like net, like it still looked like I was pregnant. Right. So people would ask questions. They would rub my belly and think that I was still pregnant. And remember I told you that I would be like so uncomfortable that I would just pretend like I still was because I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. I mean, and now that I think back on it, I'm like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) I just like, 
I, I just didn't want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable because my gosh, if I did something like that, I'd probably never go to sleep again after knowing that, you know, I just rubbed somebody's belly and asked them about how their pregnancy was going after they just had a DNC, you know, I just, yeah. I couldn't tell people that. So you're probably I probably not even to- ready to talk. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not really even like you guys went away on a vacation. I didn't even know what to say. Right. Really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like it's just easier right now well, just to let it be and <laughs> yeah I just wasn't sure I was like okay we're just gonna pretend like everything's fine so that was also a struggle because sometimes I would have to pretend like everything was fine when yeah. clearly it wasn't and I just obviously wasn't comfortable enough to make other people feel uncomfortable yeah. you know that was my yeah. biggest issue is I didn't want people to feel weird around me um I was still the same person I didn't want people to I don't know. I didn't want them to treat me any differently. So um, it's funny though, because then all of a sudden I started to get really tired and like my colors started changing, like turning white. Um, I felt fine. But then all of a sudden, um, like when I would go to the bathroom, I would lose clots, but I didn't know what it, I had no idea what was happening. I thought it was related to the DNC. I wasn't really sure. I hit it for a couple of days and then finally it had gotten so bad that I was like, something's really not right. Um, and I made Adam come and see what was happening. And he was like, I'm calling an ambulance. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not like nothing hurts. Everything's fine. Don't call. And he was like, you're, lo- that's blood. You're losing blood. You know? Cause I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is happening to me? And um, so I did schedule a doctor's appointment, but I, when I got into the doctor's office, um, I hemorrhaged. I had a uterine hemorrhage and this was coming out of the clear blue sky. Um, I went to the doctor's office thinking that uh, they were planning to do an internal um, ultrasound. And so um when they began to do that is when I started to hemorrhage and they just took me into emergency surgery right away. I was in surgery having another DNC before anybody even knew I had a doctor's appointment. I mean, I was out because I was losing too much blood. So how long um, after how long after DNC? Yeah. It was, see, I had to write it all down. Let me see. So I, <laughs> my, my first DNC, um, like to, to remove Eleanor was, it was actually like mother's day. Um, so in May, it was like the day before mother's day. And I was in surgery with an emergency DNC in July. So two months, uh-huh. The Dang. doctor, then they didn't know what had happened. So my, she told me the reason why I was still showing is because my uterus was completely full of blood. Um, she said it was like the size of a baby, a, a blood clot in my uterus. And so they, of course, had to do a DNC. Um, but I didn't really want to. But had, she told me I had, it was like life yeah. or death. I had no choice. So um, she uh, did tell me, though, that it may get more difficult, you know, to have a lasting pregnancy because we keep having to do these DNCs. So I'm like, Oh, great. You know, like my struggle is only going to get harder. They tell you that why we we never got like a formal diagnosis or any 
real like we didn't really know why um her best guess was that there may have been just a very small bleed from that previous dnc like so small that i probably bled so slowly wow for two months until it finally had no more like i couldn't hold any more blood so crazy and so it just started coming and of course i i mean it just looked like a murder <laughs> and I was horribly embarrassed I mean oh, Timothy. and I just didn't know what to do and she just kept saying lay down just lay down because I kept trying to clean I wanted to oh my gosh <laughs> I was so mortified and I'm like oh my gosh what is happening um but that she was like, you're bleeding to death we got to go to surgery and I'm like a totally what? different story if you would like shat yourself or something but <laughs> You're so funny. You crack me up. <laughs> Let me help you. So mortified. Oh, and they're screaming at me to sit down. Oh you, my gosh. They, they told me with the amount of blood that I had lost that she was shocked I even walked into her office. Um, and I'm just lucky her office was inside Riverview Hospital. So, bam, I was right into surgery. She, she, she did tell me that she had never seen anything like that. And gosh, she's... Um, She's a phenomenal doctor. She's been a doctor for like almost 40 years now. And of course she, it was just like, once again, I still had no answers yeah. really. We're just like, yeah, I think so this could have happened. Um, but, you know, regardless, I obviously got pregnant very soon after that. Again, like I just, I didn't have any problem getting pregnant. And then that's when like the happy stuff started because it was like third Lux of charm. We got Obi um, and everything worked out great. So Obi, gosh, it was March um, when I had, a, I think I announced we were pregnant and I was like 16 weeks pregnant before I said anything. So um, yeah, we finally in 2015, after those couple losses, plus that uterine hemorrhage, we successfully made a baby. So um, I was like, over the moon excited. And I think that was like, once I got that, like once I got him, I, that I was so content. I was so happy, but I really wanted to give him a sibling like desperately. So I was like, back at it. We're going to, we're just going to keep going, you know? And unfortunately I think Obi was around six or eight months and we were pregnant again, but the same types of things happened. We miscarried. Um, they were early miscarriages, um, you know, within the first trimester. So we had two more miscarriages after Obi, and then we finally got Emory. So yeah, that it was just, I had no idea that for, uh, we, Emory was born in 2018. So when I wrote out this timeline, I was astonished that for like four straight years, I was pregnant or miscarrying or hemorrhaging one of like just every year. Um, and so I, I probably, um, my doctor was happy once we got the happy and she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got what you wanted. <laughs> Don't come back. Let the trauma be over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's really my story. And, and I, like I said, I, now looking back on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, for four straight years, me and Adam dealt with that. And um, I guess I'm glad that we did. I absolutely am glad that we did, but um, whew, I'm, yeah. I'm glad it's over. I am 
glad it's over. Every once in a while, I always look at him and I'm like, you want to like one more? <laughs> he won't even respond. He just walks away. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, we should probably stop the story at <laughs> right where it's at. It's a good story now. Yeah. We got a happy ending. We just probably shouldn't press our luck, you know? Oh my gosh. So, I, yeah. Um, I get it though. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you, so you breeze through those, those two miscarriages between, between the two kids, but mm-hmm. is, do you feel like you did that because your the coping with them was much different having Obi in your life at that point? Yes, like, absolutely. Obi is why the other two, um, I, I mean, I was affected by every single one of them. Yeah. I have to say, obviously my pregnancy with Eleanor was the one that affected me the absolute most yeah, um, because we had seen a heartbeat and we had ultrasound pictures and we, we, I, I like really felt connected. You had this um, belly. <laughs> yes. And so it was, it was definitely different because I got to experience loss in different stages of pregnancies. Um, and I'm not saying everybody else would feel the same way sure. I do, obviously. But yeah. yes, for me, um, I I coped with the two after Obi. It was hate to say it, but it kind of like a breeze because I was just so happy. If Obi was was it, I was still so happy with that. So um, because I think we had all the losses leading up to him too. That it was like okay you know, the odds may not be in my favor. So I need to just accept it for what it is and be happy for what I have. So, you know, and I just, I met friends that can't have children at all. And, um, that's when I start to feel, I'm like, why was I so greedy? Like I just had to keep trying, you know? Um, but we all have different experiences and, um, I, I wasn't um, happy to be going through any of that at the time, but I, I am now. I appreciate my struggle because, um, yeah, it taught me just how resilient I can be. Um, and it made me connect with so many other people. Uh, I mean, especially as a social worker with my career being that in which I'm constantly trying to help others, it's people like to be helped from people that can relate to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like if it weren't for some of those struggles, I couldn't relate to half of the people I know um, today. So yeah, I just appreciate it for, for everything it is, I guess. Um, that makes the a lot good of sense. And the bad. Yeah. There's like this new understanding and also like appreciation for just motherhood in general, when you know some of these like undercover, like taboo-ish kind of like topics that women really struggle with that we just don't talk a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I imagine being able to share a story, especially in like a client clinical setting to be able to mm-hmm. really, you know, make some feel a lot more safe and comfortable and. Absolutely. And understood, you know, because sure. our feelings are sometimes we feel bad for how we feel and we don't want to say it. And if you say it to some people, (laughs) they might just look at you funny. Um, you know, but if, if you, you can feel just a little bit more at ease and comfortable telling people your true, real, raw emotions, if you just know that they've been there, because chances are they felt the same exact way. Yeah, because I think during all of that, I had feelings that I kind of felt bad for having. Of course. You know? Yep. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I look back on it now, like it's just a phase that I went through in my life and, <laughs> and we have good ones and we have bad ones. Um, and I could, I could focus so much on all the bad, bad stuff that happened to us. Cause we just had, like, we would get knocked down all the time. I felt yeah. like back then. Yeah. Um, but quite honestly, when I, I just try not to focus on that stuff. I just like, am, I just focused on, um, my little happy ending. And that was Obi and Emery came out of those four years of struggle. So it was all well worth it. Don't you think that going through stuff like that, it's like, and, and getting to what you just said that, you know, I think you become more thankful and understanding and, but when you go through other struggles later in life, it's like, you can look back a little bit and think, Mm -hmm. okay, that was so awful. It was four long years and it felt really long at the time, but like, and the grand scheme of life, especially when there's so much amazing and beauty and good and children and motherhood, like it's just a glimpse in the past. Like it's just a moment in time. And I feel like you don't really understand that. And you can't really even like allow that to be a concept or something of comfort to you unless you've gone through something really hard. It's like, you know, it's only temporary, you know, you're going to get through it. And on the other end is like, everything is going to be more beautiful. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I, and I get that, you know, for some of my friends that still struggle, um, with, um, like just becoming a parent, um, getting pregnant. I, I get that, uh, happy endings don't always happen for everyone. Um, and I, I absolutely understand that. Um, but I just hope that some people like don't give up because it does happen for some of us. Um, and I just think so many times, like back when I was, you know, after we got Eleanor's diagnosis, I was scared to get pregnant again. And I, um, after the uterine hemorrhage, I thought my body maybe can't handle this stuff. You know, I didn't want to die trying it. I wasn't willing to do that. (laughs) Um, you know, I wanted a family, but not enough to, you know, completely risk my life. So, um, at one point we had lots of discussions about like, should we really do this? But we never did hear from any doctor that we saw that there was no re I mean, there just was no reason why we couldn't, there was nothing wrong with me. There was nothing wrong with Adam, that everything was fine. And so we kind of got the, um, okay to move forward from the doctors. And I'm, I'm, glad, um, that I didn't give up because, uh, I was fearful, you know, I was really nervous to experience another loss. I think a lot of people that I've met too. Yeah. They experienced it one time. It's like, Nope, don't even want to try that again. You know? And, and I just, there is hope there, you know, it, we, a lot, lots of bad things can happen, but, um, you know, happy endings do really happen. And, and, um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't give up when I wanted to, because there was like a million and one times that I thought I probably should. So it um, feels like the easy way out when you're going through, like, it feels like so much easier than to take on any extra pain or to yep. keep putting yourself through. Fear is such a thief of, of our strength and yes. um, any joy that we, we really truly like feel that could potentially be in the future for us. I think there's so much to be said also for, you know, it's so interesting. We, we shared like the same experience in that um, we had no problem getting pregnant. It was just keeping the mm-hmm. pregnancies. And so mm-hmm. that's like a different challenge in of its own too, right? Because, you know, 
I'm very much like I wanted to talk to a lot of different like experts and I was seeing like an acupuncturist and an OB and like really Uh trying to evaluate what was feeling right to me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I also think there's a lot to be said for sometimes we want to jump right back in it or in these cases of these women that you're mentioning, like they're so scared to even try again. I think it's totally okay. Like sometimes we push back the healing and the coping because Mm -hmm. we just can't right now. And, you know, maybe for you, if you're feeling like, you know, you just can't, like you just can't do it again, you know, maybe you just take the time that you need to really to, to heal and you don't have to jump right back into it right away. And I think that like, I waited three months. So when I air this episode, everyone will know that I'm pregnant, but you know, I, <laughs> when I, I waited three, three months, I know. Um, oh, congrats. Thanks. And I just like really slipped that in there. Didn't I? You did. You did. Aww. I just went in for my, um, That's like so exciting. 13 weeks. I thought I, I thought that to myself did because you? I thought I saw you post something the other day that made me think that maybe she's getting some Tests done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Special. You know how it is. You're at the doctor a lot more after the stuff like that. Yes. Um, you are. Yeah. But, you know, we waited three months and I really didn't want to do that because I thought like, I just want this baby and I just want to like, I want to, mm-hmm. you want to like push the hard stuff and you want to like get right into the next one. But that's also a really scary thought. But I, you know, as much as we didn't want to wait three months, like the three months were also really good for me because it was like, the only time I really had to process and to Mm -hmm. think and to heal and Mm -hmm. let let my body and my mind heal together. So if you're feeling like that, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need. If you're feeling like, right, I just can't. And it's too scary. Give yourself the time that you need to process all of it. Cause it really is all a lot of all at once. And we all have different ways of doing things like what I did or what Tiffany did may not be the right thing for you, but it's a really, it, there's very few opportunities that I think in life where you are put in this position where you have to just really listen to your body and to your heart and feel mm-hmm. like this is a growing family we're trying for. Like what is best for me? What is best for my partner? What is best for mm-hmm. my health? And kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of like family and partners. So when we talked last time, you were telling me that you and Adam coped a little bit differently. And I feel like yeah. If you're comfortable talking about it, I feel like it's something that we should maybe chat on a little bit. So, yeah, I, so just being um, asked to talk about this stuff was um, so good for me, but also him too, because we like never would have sat down and wrote out a timeline and talked about this experience because um, we never did. We just didn't. Uh, we just, I think, honestly, I looked at, at the time, I thought that we were coping differently, but now that I look at it, I think we were coping the same. And what we were doing was, I think we were both absolutely disassociating ourselves from it, which is to just kind of pretend like it wasn't happening. You know, he probably was better at it than I was. (laughs) I think is the issue because, um, we just kind of failed to communicate. Unfortunately, during those years, it was, we both knew what we wanted, but we were both scared. He's not a big on talking about emotions and things like that. And here I am a social worker and, you know, mental health specialist. And like, that's, and I'm a talker. I talk, I talk, talk, talk. So Um, And that's usually what makes me feel better too. So sometimes I would like disassociate it 
I could talk about it still, but when I talked about it, it was almost as if it was happening to somebody else. You know, it was, it's odd. Um, but he remembers everything. Like he remembers that when we went to the genetic counselor, we were not speaking at that doctor's appointment. I forget that stuff. And he was like, oh yeah, we sat on the opposite Aww. side of the waiting room. Like you were not speaking, you hated me. And I'm like, yeah, I did. Now that you remind me, I, <laughs> I hated you for a very long time. <laughs> um, and I don't know why I felt that way. I had so much anger towards him for what I think just not even him. He says the whole wide world. I was horribly angry at the whole wide world. And um, I think he was frustrated that I was so angry. Like, why was I so, I, I like became obsessed with getting pregnant and staying pregnant and having a baby. Like I was just obsessed about it. And I think he wasn't. So that was just the difference for us. Like he was perfectly happy if it was just me and him forever, you yeah. know? Yeah. And um I got so hard on myself and I think he got so frustrated with that, that then it just became, you know, he slept downstairs and I slept upstairs for literally almost that whole four years. I don't know how I even got pregnant, to be honest with you. I don't know how, how that even happened, but I must have liked him one night. Yeah, there was like a little bit of wine and we were like. There was a little bit of something. <laughs> my beer is my coping mechanism. So I, I don't know there anyways um we we had a hard time I think if you asked anybody that knows us um closely they would all be like oh my god it's a miracle they're still together <laughs> um but we love each other so hard like there is nobody else for me I I hope he feels the same way um but uh, you know I I know that me and Adam were just honestly, we were made for each other, but our communication was so poor during that time. And I think it was because I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to cry. You know, I didn't want to get choked up or be emotional because I was always too tough for that. You know, it was just, I didn't want to talk about it with him because I knew how devastated he was too. And I didn't want to sit around and yeah, yeah. be sad and cry. So it was, easier for me, I guess, to be mad. <laughs> and then I was mad because I would blame uh, him for our problem. Like why we weren't talking was his fault. It's because yeah. he's not talking. And yeah. it wasn't now that I look back on it, it's like, no, I was just going through a very emotional time and was, um, you know, I, I probably needed to take a break and cope and heal and process. But I didn't give myself that yeah. because I was just so gung ho and I was a little bit older. Um, so I just kind of felt like time was ticking for sure. me for some sure. reason. Um, but yeah, we, we either coped the same in which we just both didn't talk about it. And we just pretended like it wasn't happening. Um, is I think what we did um, because I'm, I'm not quite sure what we did to cope. Quite honestly, the best thing that we ever did was go out and buy ourselves some kayaks and go hiking and keep like, we never, we have never set and talked about it still to this day. Nature is, um, is often therapy. Like I can relate to that. <laughs> so it, it was good for us. Like, you know, I had forgotten 
snippets. I forgot that I had a hemorrhage. I mean, Adam had to remind, he was like, remember? And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I like just completely forget that all that stuff had happened to me. And that's when I learned, cause I, you know, if somebody asked me how I coped, I would tell you, I'm, I, I don't really know. I'm not sure. I just go to bed and I would wake up every day. I have, yeah. I don't know why yeah. or how it just happened. Um, I just kept going. I just kept myself really busy. You know, I was in the national guard at the time. Um, I was a full-time student. I worked full-time. I was doing an internship. I didn't have time to be sad. Yeah. I didn't have time yeah. to, in my opinion, I didn't have time to process and think and heal. Um, but I think that would probably would have been good for both of us, but we made it in the end. And now we look back at it and it makes us such a stronger couple because, um, we know that we can go through some hard, tough stuff. And the next time that we do, we will do it differently. Like that's the yeah. one benefit. Like this time we will talk. We, it needs yeah. to happen. We don't need to run away from each other and I don't need to be mad at the world, you know? Um, so I learned a lot of, um, what I hope to do differently because, you know, um, bad things happen all the time. More bad things will happen yeah. to us in our yeah. lifetime. So, um, I'm kind of glad for the practice I got, um, because I think next time, because we're a stronger couple, we'll, we'll cope better, um, but we just can't expect each other to, I, I was angry all the time because I was expecting him to do things or say things or to know how I was feeling that day. But he wouldn't know that I would cry in the shower. He didn't know that I would be done crying by the time I got yeah. out of the shower. Nobody would ever know that I was all sad and feeling bad about myself, you know? Um, and so, but I expect, I wanted him to know, but how would he have? You know, I blamed him for not, I guess, maybe being sensitive enough to me or I don't know what I was expecting from yeah. him, to be honest. Now that I look at it, I was expecting him to fix all the problems, I yeah. think. And he couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, or to like, sometimes you want to, you want, like if they broke down and cried in front of you or something, you want them to like somewhat process, or at least this is what I've experienced and talked to the women. It's like, you almost want them, you want it to feel like it's they're processing it in the same way. They're feeling some of the same things. And that's just obviously not the case, right? Because mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. do experience it so much differently. Like no matter how devastating it is to them, it's just a, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just a totally just different, different connection experience. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. is. Well, and beca because of that, I, I look back on it now and I'm so happy that he's my husband and he just loves me so hard because during those four years, when my focus was a baby, his focus was me. And that's where we weren't lining up. You know, it was like, yeah, he kept blaming himself every time that we would have a loss. And he was like, I'm the one that's getting you pregnant. And then this keeps happening. So he just, he really wanted to, he was the one that was probably like, no, we don't want to do this anymore. <sighs> After the second miscarriage, I don't think he really wanted to do it anymore at all. And so I think he probably felt pressured by me, yeah. obviously. And he just wanted to make me happy. Yeah. It's so, so hard for them to see us like that. <laughs> I look back on it and, um, you know, my parents are like, you know, 
they're the ones that sat in the waiting room with him when I was in surgeries and such, you know, so they got to see sides of Adam that I didn't get to see that, um, he here, I was so devastated over losing a child. Right. But I think he was so devastated at the fact that he was so afraid he was going to lose me. And so we just weren't on this. We weren't thinking the same way. And I can't change that. He, he, that's just how it was going to be. There's no fixing yeah, that, right. you know? Um, yeah. And so, but in the, in the time when you're going through all that, you don't recognize that. Yeah. Like I didn't recognize how much he loved me. I didn't recognize how much he cared. Um, it, it, I do now that, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. When my goal, when the one thing that my head was so focused on was children, his was, me and my health and my safety. Um, and he, I think he honestly took it. He, I don't know what he would say if you were here right now, but I think he kind of took it harder than I did every time we, we had a loss. He just, it was, uh, I think we both just feel like we failed at something and, and Adam, I don't think would ever like to, he doesn't like to feel, you know, feel that way. So yeah, you know, and he's competitive and he's so into sports and he certainly he's used to winning and he's used to, (laughs) yeah, you know, so I just think when that stuff happened, it was just like, yeah, why do, why are we still doing this? You know, like, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Obviously we know now, right. (laughs) Because um, I just hope for other people that they learn their different communication styles, whether that be uh, write a letter, whether I don't care if it's an email, a text message, a letter, a verbal communication, but like you have to learn how to communicate. Like that was our biggest thing that we struggled with. Um, I think we just didn't know what to say or where to start or anything. So we just were pretending like it wasn't happening when it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could have been really damaging for us, but luckily uh, we just stuck it out. Um, Yeah. Losses. We talked about this before, like uh, loss can really tear families apart and it doesn't mm -hmm. always end up, you know, Mm -hmm. it it is when you go into something, you experiencing something that you've never experienced before. And there are so many emotions, you know, when you were, when you were mentioning, like he was feeling like we were failing, I feel like I kind of remembered those same emotions towards Cameron. I can't give him a baby. Mm-hmm. We're having these problems. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, there's so many things that you would have never expected that you would mm-hmm. feel that you're feeling. And so, and it all comes piling on. Yeah. It's really, really yeah. hard. I mean, well, and it was just like, I, I felt bad for like, I kept giving the family bad news. Yeah. Like yeah. it was, you know, my pregnancies, um, I look back on it and it kind of makes me sad sometimes because like, I can't really remember anybody being, uh, and I get it. I totally understand why, but like, nobody was ever excited to hear that Tiffany was pregnant. Like it was not an exciting thing. That was not like, uh Oh, it was like, it made people cringe that I was pregnant again. Like, why are you doing that? Don't do that to yourself. Like, you know, it's like, there's, yeah, of course people say congratulations or sure. whatnot, but like m- 
our very closest families would almost get scared. Like our closest friends and family members um, would, I think they got nervous when we would tell them I was pregnant. So I wasn't just putting myself through it or Adam through it. Like we were putting the whole family through it. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, I was talking to my mom about, cause my mom is the one that man, she, you know, she still goes, um, and she'll visit like the gravestone, um, you know, for Eleanor and, oh and gosh. all the babies that, you know, there's a, there's a site there, um, in Noblesville for cool. the children that, yeah, that, um, have been lost. So, um, it's kind of a nice memorial, but it is not someplace that I have ever visited again. I sometimes feel bad to say that. Um, it is a place that I know my mom has visited. I know that, um, gosh, she wears like rainbow socks on (laughs) days for like to celebrate down syndrome. And she sends pictures like my mom so wants to like embrace it, give Eleanor this limelight. Right. And I so appreciate that because um, me and Adam just don't, for whatever reason, we've never shared and shared really about her. And um, my mom is like, yeah, you never made that public as to like, we found out why and um, why I miscarried, but it, for whatever reason was, uh, was like our little secret. I don't know why that is. Um, still haven't really quite put my finger on that. Um, but yeah, we just, there was just so many different things that, you know, it was miscarriages and then genetic issues and, uh, hemorrhages. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, how I forgot some of those things is, is crazy to me. Um, but I think it's also good that it just lets me focus on Obi and Emery and I'm not living in, I just don't live in the past. I try to just keep moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I know other people, you know, my mom obviously deals with it differently, right? you know, um, right. So we all, we all do every, every one of us. Um, you know, my, my sister-in-law still to her, like the most little important thing is a flower from that funeral service that she still keeps that is just like, Wow. Talks about it all the time. And it's so special to her. And, um, you know, I, you sometimes forget that the people that love you experienced it too, you know? And, um, when I would lose a child, my parents were, you know, they, they felt it too. And I, I, it took me until now to really, I guess, really realize that because I was maybe just too stuck on myself for a while I was just so um focused on one thing and nothing else um that I maybe failed to recognize how everybody else was feeling um and I think that's just normal I mean moms can't be expected to I mean I was just going through some crappy stuff, you know? So, um, luckily none of my family or friends like hold it against me, but there for a while, I felt like I'd really lost myself, you know, just in this obsession with, you know, um, making a family. So yeah. With the, with your history and your career of mental health, did you find any of your experience in that? Was there anything in particular, like, I don't know, something that you maybe later down the road kind of would tell yourself from like this knowledge that you have or, and if not, if the answer to that is no, like from your, like, what would you say to another mom? Like given, given, given this knowledge that you have, this expertise that mm-hmm. you have, like 
about coping or about the processing experience of, of it all? Like, you know, it, well, it's funny that I have this, uh, knowledge base on mental health. It's, it's all I've ever studied. It's all I've, it's all I've ever done. Um, since I've been old enough to work. So, um, I was honestly a little bit disappointed in myself that I didn't recognize uh, what I had, how I had coped. I didn't recognize it until I wrote it all down because I was like memory loss and like forgetfulness and like all this stuff. I'm like, what in the world? Um, And that's when I realized I was like, that's called disassociation. It is a common coping mechanism um, where our brains just do it. It's not something that I like purposefully did sure, of course. um but our bodies and our brains um they just do things to protect us sometimes um and sometimes it's kind of out of our control and it was crazy to me that I'm like wow I didn't even pick up on that you know I just uh I just hope that women pay attention to how they're feeling and just like recognize how they're feeling if you're pissed off at the world that day just know it just you know like you're going to be pissed that day and it's fine and you're allowed to be um and and experience those emotions because like you deserve to you know like don't hold in the anger don't hold in the frustration but you have to identify coping like healthy or coping skills other than forgetfulness and and pretending like things aren't happening to you but um you know, the things that I learned to identify was, um, just simple things. Like I love nature and hiking and kayaking and peace and quiet. And, um, so those are some of the things that I started to do for myself, like more often, um, to just like give myself that just be free and yeah, just try to expand. If you're sad, you know, be sad. Those are the things that I didn't allow myself to do. Um, I just kept pretending like everything was fine. And, you know, like I can, Adam reminded me that like, as soon as I left the doctor's appointment, finding out that, um, Eleanor didn't have a heartbeat anymore. He was like, you do remember you went to a job interview right after that. Right. I'm like, yeah. And I had completely <sighs> forgotten that he was like, you, we went to the appointment and you left and drove to your job interview and pretended like nothing had happened. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah, I did. Dude. And I got the job. <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't tell the person I, you know, I dried the tears and I went to a job interview. That's what I did. That's how I just, I just kept going. I just, you're like, remarkable. Autopilot. <laughs> I mean, truly. <laughs> what you say. So that's pretty remarkable, honestly. It, it, it's sad to me though, like that I think back on it and I'm like, wow, yeah, I did. I did. And I obviously didn't tell um, the lady that interviewed me what had just happened, you know, and she thought she's one of them that thought I was still pregnant. Obviously I was showing. Um, And so we talked about what that would look like too. Like, that's just like, I can't believe I did that, you know? Um, but that's just what I probably should have done is called her and just told her the God's honest truth. Because later on I had to tell her like, obviously weeks later, like what had happened and Hey, I have to have surgery. And she's like, you came to your interview, you know, right after that happened. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't we cancel? Why didn't we, you know? And I'm like, 
I, because that's just not what I wanted to do. I wanted to just keep on going. Like everything was fine and dandy. Um, I'm not sure if that was good for me or healthy for me or whatnot, but you know, my thought there is like, so if you hadn't done that, is it could have been possible that your coping could have been to just stop and quit and not keep Absolutely. going, you know? So, Absolutely. um, like you said, our, mm-hmm. our minds are, were designed to protect ourselves. And sometimes even if it's like, if that's what it is, it, that may have been the purpose for that. So, yeah. And I think like looking back now that that bothered Adam, that like, why was I not just going to go? Cause we drove, I remember we drove separate to that doctor's appointment because I needed to go to Indianapolis afterwards for that, um, uh, interview. And so I think he was expecting like, okay, we're going to go home. Yeah. You know, and I just walked right on out of that doctor's office after scheduling that DNC. And I just waved at him. Goodbye. I was going to an interview. See you. Goodbye. <laughs> so it was just like, I just didn't want to give myself a second to yeah. think about it. I remember I cried the whole way from Noblesville to Indianapolis. And then I sat in that parking lot and I gave myself like two minutes to dry it up, suck it up and get in there and just do what I needed to do. Yeah. And, um, I know not everybody would make that same decision, but yeah, it, I might not be doing what I'm doing today with my two kids. Had I let myself yeah. You know, go back home that day and sulk. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I could have, things could have ended up differently for me because of that, but everybody will make their own decision, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, maybe that was, that was just something for me staying busy. And I was very career minded and focused at the time. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I just yeah. kept on going. I, and I don't know how I did that or why I did that. It is, I guess, just part of my makeup. It's just yeah. what I did. Yep. Um, but I do think that people, you know, just with my um, experience in mental health, I think a lot of people do uh, just put on this happy face and pretend like everything's okay because they don't want to seem weak or whatnot. But um, I just hope that yeah, other women and, and men, moms and dads are both going through it. It's not, you know, just us moms. And, and I recognize that, but I, yeah, I hope people just, um, give themselves the grace to just experience the emotions because, um, yeah, they, they deserve to be mad. They deserve to be happy. They deserve to feel sad sometimes, you know, um, And those are the things I guess I wish I would have done for myself is like actually let myself feel it. Um, But maybe that wasn't what was best for me at the time. Sure. Um, Yeah. So it's just different for everybody. But yeah, it was just weird that I've talked about different coping skills and how the brain works during times of grief and things like that. And I'm like, it took me how many years later (laughs) to realize that I was, yeah, I clearly, my mind works in funny ways and it, it blocks out things it doesn't want to remember. Um, I don't think I do that on purpose. If I do, I have no idea how I'm doing it, but I know not everybody's brains work like that, but I obviously remember it when I talk about it and when it gets brought up, but yeah, if it's not something that you completely focus on all the time, it, it, it becomes easy to forget for me. And so it was important for me. I'll probably like 
frame my timeline so I don't ever forget it because I don't want to forget you yeah. know and that's what I yeah. told Adam I said I'm really great sad idea. that I like forget some of these details of things and uh so yeah writing it out for me was good well give yourself grace and all of that and feeling sad about it because you know like you said mm-hmm. I think so- sometimes you know so processing is different than coping right like those are two different Absolutely. things and sometimes you like aren't forced to process until like you just blow up or something else happens, mm-hmm. or you have a, maybe an experience like this that almost kind of more gracefully allows you to step into that. But the coping side of that is, is, and, 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 you know, I don't know. It's so hard because of course you want to process things, but I don't know if there's really anything wrong with you're getting by and you're choosing, I suppose, at that point to, to try to really focus on the positive in the future. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then of course you have beautiful Obi and then like Mm -hmm. life turns into that. And, and -hmm. it's so easy. It makes it so much easier for us to just, just really try to sit in that. Um, and you know, so, um, you know, like, I think, like you said, I think you probably did what was right for you in that time. And you've been able to live the last however many years with Obi mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, and the new babe. I, yeah. It's, uh, everybody, it, things are going to be different for everybody. We're going to yeah. uh, process things differently or, you know, so I'm, I don't know what's right or wrong for any one person. <laughs> I don't know I don't if there, think is. there is any wrong way. Right. to feel. I mean, that's just kind of, that's another thing. Like people have to learn to like, let go. We don't have control over every single thing. We can't yeah. control how we feel. Sometimes we can't change it. Yeah. So a lot of it is just, yeah, go with whatever feels right in the moment. You know, um, I know people thought, it, I mean, my family thought I was crazy. Obviously Adam thought I was crazy for going on to a job interview, but for me, it's what worked. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it might not have worked for other people, but yeah, it's, it's just funny how, how people learn to cope with things. Um, everybody learns things differently. Um, not all of my coping skills are the healthiest coping skills, I'm sure, but you know, I get by. (laughs) We are, I think we are all built with ingrained with bad, certain coping skills that we have these things that we just navigate, you know, like just, we, Mm -hmm. it's just in our innate, in our innate buildup of just what we go to. And that's, you know, that's what a lifetime is for is to learn Mm -hmm. how, you know, what really is, is best for us and our, in our health and tweak as we can. And, and that's such a lesson of motherhood, what you said about like letting go and really just trying to maybe go with the flow isn't the right term I'm looking for, but like, you know, really, truly, because there is so much out of your control. And when you have miscarriages, when you go through stuff like that, it's like your Mm -hmm. first lesson in that, like, absolutely can't control it. Yeah. 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 I can't control my screaming toddler right now. You know, like <laughs> I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I, I just, I love this whole story in that. I really love that you said at the end that you're going to frame that timeline. I think it's so cool. I'm so glad. I think, I, should. Been, I yeah. think you should. I think that's a really cool thing. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, it's weird because, um, you know, I've never, I don't even know at what age it would be appropriate to explain this to my children, you know, obviously not now they're just yeah, too young, but, sure. um, like even for that, for Emory one day, I have a daughter that one day might need to know some of my history. Cause 
sometimes history repeats itself, you know? Um, and so I do, I think my timeline is really important. I think it can, you know, it tells my story, even though like even the bad stuff that I like yeah. to yeah. forget about, I guess, but no, it's been great. It's been good and healing. And yeah, I drug my husband into it too. And, and it was good for us. It was good. absolutely great for us. So, I'm so glad I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for, honestly, I think the value that the value of you talking to Emery about it some, some part down the line is just a serving for this mission we have of just, gosh, if we can just talk about it with each other a little bit more and share like our experiences. Or like, why didn't yeah. they teach us this stuff in health class when we were in school? Like that, yeah. Like you said earlier, it was always like, you have sex one time and you get pregnant and you have a kid, you know, like yep. that's pretty much all that was taught to me. They could probably normalize this at a much younger age. We shouldn't have to learn the hard way. I don't think I, I totally agree. I do wish it was just people had more knowledge base because I, I promise you when I learned I was pregnant for the very first time, I was expecting to have like a yeah. normal, healthy pregnancy. I didn't, I was not ever expecting the journey that I went on. Yeah. So I think it's just like, yeah, if moms talk to their kids about it when they're old enough or when they feel like it's appropriate, then maybe it wouldn't be such a shock or so, um, uncomfortable to talk about these things when they do happen. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to just talk about it. I and I have done so that for a very I, long time. So well, I appreciate I, it. So, well, I'm just like, it. I feel so honored that I could have like been a part of that little spark in this, like, uh, yeah. in this part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's so just the opening of the conversation. Time to talk yeah, about you're it. You're so welcome. I love and it. And I'm so <laughs> excited for you. I can't believe you Thanks. snuck all that in there. Yes. Like, well, like you, I've been waiting. Thank well, you. I wish you all the luck in the world Thank and all the happiness. So, so much. Ditto. Keep Ditto. me posted. Okay. I will. All okay. right. Enjoy your last 30 minutes. I the will. Kids come. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll talk later. Bye. Bye. Hey, mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.